Nathan Thomas. I'm the assistant pastor here. Our passage this morning is from John 16. Uh, while you're turning to John, I uh, just wanted to say welcome to everyone. Welcome to those who are online. I hope you're finding this to be a day of rest. Um, as it is Sunday, and it is a day that the Lord has given us, a day that we can take rest from our work and from our hobbies, and that we May you find rest and the joy and the love of God. All right, so we are in John uh, chapter 16. We will start in verse 12 and read through verse 16, 15. I still have many things to say to you. But you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. And he will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, this is your word. This is the word of Jesus. And Lord, as he has sent your people the helper, I do pray that the Holy Spirit may lift our hearts this morning. I pray that the words I speak are not mine, but yours. And if I speak anything false or untrue, that they may fall upon deaf ears. As in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Imagine one common feeling that just about everybody's had before in their life uh, is that feeling of being overwhelmed. Uh, that feeling that the world, everything is just a little bit too much. I can remember one specific time I was overwhelmed was actually the first time I went to a presbytery meeting. Now, if you're unfamiliar with presbytery polity, <clears throat> the church government, uh, basically, a presbytery meeting is a meeting of church leaders in the same region. They all get together and they all uh, have fellowship with one another and they go through the business and care for the church. Uh, that is their job, to oversee, pray, and care for the churches in their presbytery. Now, I, now I like going to presbytery. I get to vote at presbytery, so that's fun. Uh, and then it's, it's a really good and nourishing time. But the first time I went, I did not know a thing that was going on. Everybody was wearing a coat and a tie. I was fresh out of Appalachian State University. Everybody was either a pastor or ordained to care for and lead the church. They were making vital decisions, important decisions, weighty decisions. They were praying for one another. And I could not keep track of what was going on. But at this time, I was starting to like, I think I want to do ministry. I want to go into ministry. And so I was really paying attention because they brought up a guy to be examined, to be ordained, examined to become a pastor. 
And so he took, started taking these exams in front of about 100 men who could ask him anything from theology to Bible to sacraments to church government to church history. Whatever they thought of in the crowd, they could just raise their hand and ask the question. And he was expected to answer that question and answer it well. It was, it was a lot. I remember turning away uh, as we left, and I remember turning to my boss and like, oh, man, I'm, I'm going to have to start studying now. Uh, and he laughed at me because I wasn't even in seminary yet. Uh, but I felt overwhelmed. I was in the dark. And last week, Stuart preached on how we and our sinful nature suppress the truth. Uh, and that, that can leave us feeling a bit hopeless. And it's as Stuart said, this is, this is why we need Jesus. Because if we suppress the truth, uh, then how do we know when we're deceiving ourselves when we're not? Uh, how do we know we're not just reading ourselves into scriptures and they're like, aha, this, this is clearly meant just for me. Uh, we are sinful people. Which means we're going to have this innate struggle against ourselves to do good and holy things versus our own sinful flesh. So how do we move forward? Well, as Jesus told us in this passage, he's, he's going to send us, he's going to send a helper. And he did. And this helper is the Holy Spirit. And so this is the main point of the sermon. We must rely on the Spirit to lead us in truth. If you hear nothing else this morning, we must rely on the Spirit to lead us in truth. Now, this passage that we read this morning, it comes from the end of a longer discourse. Jesus is talking to the apostles. Uh, he begins the night, interestingly enough, by washing their feet. He's serving them. This great leader, he's not being served, but he chooses, I am, I am serving you. He's loving them. And then he sends Judas away, Judas who is going to betray him. And with the other 11, he begins this uh, discourse, this conversation, this long speech on a fuller, providing fuller detail on his redemption. However, he begins it with this. This is from John 13. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Now that's the way to start a speech. When you want to begin a speech, you want to have something nice, something to hook people, something to grab their attention. That's why I started my sermon out with that amazing story about going to presbytery. But put yourselves in the disciples' shoes for a second. For roughly three years, you have been following this man. You have left your jobs. You have barely seen your family. You have gone out. You have proclaimed his name. You have preached his name. You've pointed others to him. You have seen Jesus perform these great miracles from turning water to wine. You've seen thousands fed from next to nothing. You've seen demons cast out. You've seen the dead rise. 
these apostles, they, they've seen all of this and they've come to know him as Messiah. They have put their lot in with Jesus. They put their lives in with Jesus. They have put their very souls into his hands. And this evening, he tells them, where I am going, you cannot come. It's terrifying. Matter of fact, Peter protests almost immediately. He says, no, 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 I'm going with you and I will lay down my life for you. Jesus is like, well, you will eventually, but not right now. Thomas, bold, is like, look, I have no idea where you're going. What is this way that you are talking about? Yet for this part, Jesus is insistent. They cannot follow. So by the time we got to the passage I read earlier, the apostles are so dejected. They're so sorrowful. But Jesus says, none of you asks me, where are you going? Sorrow has filled your heart. See, when Jesus started discourse, protest. By the time he gets to where we are this morning, sadness. The apostles know we need Jesus. Uh, we need to rely on him. We need to put our faith and our trust in Christ. And we have a tendency in our sinfulness to suppress this very need. It's like telling ourselves that we don't need air to breathe. We need Jesus. And the apostles know this. And Jesus is telling them that he's leaving. It could lead us to despair. But our Savior is our Savior for a reason, and He is very good. He comforts them. He says, I am sending a helper. Matter of fact, early on in the discourse, He says this, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I will ask my Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, you know Him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And again, as the apostles go down in despair, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And again, Jesus comforts them. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And then finally from uh, this passage, Nevertheless, I will tell you, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Time and time again, Jesus says, I will send the Holy Spirit. Christ is comforting them. And there are times in which there are times in which we can feel utterly alone. There are times in which wherever we look, whether it is forward or behind us, to our left or our right, we do not see anything divine happening in our lives. It really does feel like we are going 
through a valley of the shadow of darkness. But Christ makes sure that the apostles know, and by extension, his brothers and sisters, God's children know, that we have a helper. And that is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. So Christ tells us who this helper is in verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you things that are to come. So here's a few things from this passage. One, uh, we immediately learn that this is, this is a promise to the apostles that he will guide them to all truth. The Spirit will guide them to all truth. Now, I do want to be clear here. This isn't um, temporal knowledge. This isn't uh, like scientific acumen here. I don't think the Apostle Simon knew about atoms and electrons and quasars. I'm pretty sure the Apostle Matthew did not know whether or not Pluto was a planet. This is not the type of knowledge that the Spirit brings. Or that's not the type of knowledge that Jesus is talking about. But the Spirit does, and how he enlightens the apostles and God's people is to knowledge about God and who God is. And the great love that the Father has for his people, the great love that Jesus has for his brothers and sisters. And that is a far greater knowledge. The very truth that we would suppress, the Holy Spirit brings to light. And it's amazing to see. Because the apostles see it. When Jesus ascends into heaven, we see this great sermon by Peter, and he preaches, and thousands are saved because the Holy Spirit is at work. And the apostles go forth, they share the knowledge with the church. It is through the Spirit we have the New Testament. He's the one who uh, inspires the writers. He's the one who gives us understanding in the Old Testament and how it all really just points to the Savior, to Jesus. Now the cross actually casts a shadow back on the things that come before. The Spirit is the one who gives the apostles understanding of the Gospels. So Peter learns that the good news extends past Jerusalem, past, Ju past Judea. It's not just for the nation of Israel, but for the whole world as David sang in his song. It is the Spirit who is the one who shows us the hope. When we live in darkness, when we battle against sin, when we feel overwhelmed, it is the Spirit, the one who shows us that there is a hope, that there is a time in which Jesus will return and that our sorrows and tears will be no more. Jesus says about the Spirit, He, he will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. 
And this is, this is what is fascinating about the spirit of truth. This is amazing because this is his role. He, he shines a light on the Father and the Son. He shines a light on the gospel. He is the one that allows us to see. He is the one who allows us to know the truth. He is the one who shows us the truth. He proclaims, he illuminates, he demonstrates. We learn of the good news. We learn of the great love of Jesus because of the work of the Spirit in our lives. Yes, we, we have a sinful nature. It suppresses, we, we want to suppress the truth. It blinds us. So we get to passages like Romans 7 where Paul talks about wrestling with his flesh, wrestling with his own sin. This is Paul, a guy who plants churches, a guy who goes on mission trips, a guy who writes 13 letters out of the New Testament, but is honest with his struggle. Yet because of the work in the Spirit in Paul's life, Paul is also able to say that we are more than conquerors. And though, even though our sins may be great, the Spirit is far greater. Where we are blinded by our sin, the Spirit works against our sin. He moves us away from the lies that we tell one another, from the li very lies that we tell ourselves. He takes the scales from our eyes so that we may see. He guides us in truth. And because he guides us in truth, because he is the spirit of truth, because he is the great helper that Jesus has sent, and we should rely on him. So the great question is, <laughs> how do we rely on the spirit? Well, we have a few things that we can do, a um, few things that we are called to do uh, that puts our faith and our trust in the spirits. First, uh, we need to dive into scriptures. The scriptures reveal who God is. They, it is the story of Jesus. It is the story of salvation. It is the story of our redemption. Remember, Jesus is talking to the apostles. There's 11 men in this room. And they are going to go forth with this story, possibly uh, as far as England to Africa to India. They are going to take the gospel and they are going to go forth. They are going to build the church. And they're going to do it through... And so we see the Spirit is working through the apostles. Matter of fact, the very next chapter in John 17, Jesus prays for the apostles' very own sanctification. That they may grow in spirit, that they may grow in their faith, that they may be ready for the trials and the ministry that is set before them. He says, I do not... But in praying for the apostles, Jesus also prays for us when he says, I do not ask for these, that is the apostles only. I do not intercede just for the apostles, but also for those who believe in me through their word, through their teachings, through their preaching. And we are blessed because the Spirit has preserved their words. 
We have letters and stories written by the apostles. I mean, the Gospel of Matthew and John and the letters of Paul and Peter. We have spirit-filled writings of those who knew Jesus and knew the apostles. All so that we may know Jesus. The Spirit has given us scripture. He has preserved God's word for us so that we may know the truth of the gospel. We don't... You do not have to guess the way as Thomas was then there saying, I don't know the way. We can know the way because the word tells us that Jesus is the way. And the parts that we really need to know, the parts that we really need to understand when it comes to our faith and comes to our salvation, the scripture makes plain and clear. So when you dive into word, When you dive into uh, the letters, the histories, the sermons of the scripture. Pray that the spirit may show you the truth and the life of the gospel. That you may know God's word. Prayer is essential. In Psalm 119, I believe it's ten times, David asked that the Lord may teach him his statutes. So when you approach scripture, do so asking for the helper to help you. Be bold in asking for help. And that's the second thing. We, we need to pray. I cannot say this enough. We should pray. Stuart often says in our staff meetings, we want to bathe everything in prayer. Uh, Paul, in his letters to the Thessalonians, is pretty blunt about this. He gives a whole list of things that they should do. And then at one point, he just says, pray without ceasing. We need to be quick to prayer. We need to be bold in prayer. It is essential to the Christian life. It is the act of relying on the Holy Spirit. It's to go to God in prayer. Matter of fact, when we pray, we are, we are having a conversation with God and the Holy Spirit is interceding on our behalf. This is Paul writing in Romans 8. Likewise, The Spirit, that is the same Spirit of truth. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now this, there is a lot to unpack in this verse. Matter of fact, I could probably do a whole sermon on this verse. Not probably, I could do a whole sermon on this verse. But I want to pull back and look at the big picture here. One, first, Paul acknowledges we have weaknesses. 
We confess our weaknesses. We know we are sinful. We know that there are times that we are going to struggle. The Bible never hides that fact. Matter of fact, it is upfront and honest because when we are upfront and honest, we know we need a helper. And this is the role of the Spirit. He helps us in our weakness. He helps us in our pains. He helps us in our sorrows. Even, even when, whether it is, whether it is pain or sorrow or joy or elation, even when our soul is so wrenched, our hearts are so tight and stressed that we do not know how to put our emotions, our desires, our fears our longings into words, the Spirit is working on our behalf and carrying that anyway. For He knows us better than we know ourselves. He aids us. When our language, when our communication is insufficient, the Spirit is so great that He carries those prayers and takes our insufficiencies and he takes them before the Lord and he helps us in our weaknesses. The Spirit works on our behalf. See, our prayers, whether they are short or long, brief or medium, they're not about eloquence or style But our prayers ultimately are about relying on the Spirit to aid us, to show us the light, to show us our need for the gospel. So pray. Always. Continually. Over everything. Bathe everything in prayer. Knowing that the Spirit is working on our behalf in prayer. And then finally, I want to leave you with this encouragement. The Spirit is always with you. The Spirit never abandons His people. The Spirit never goes elsewhere. There's no place where you can go and all of a sudden you are eluding the Holy Spirit. There's no place where you can hide. There's no place where the Spirit is just going like, I'm going to abandon you here. No, when you believe and you are God's children, the Spirit stays with you. Matter of fact, in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, Corinthians have all sorts of issues. It is a fun letter to read. But one of the issues that they have is a tremendous amount of division in their church. But Paul says this, in talking about healing the divisions, he reminds them of this, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? In other words, he's saying this. The people are God's temple. It's not the building. It's not a singular place. But it is God's people and that the Holy Spirit dwells with God's people. He makes us a temple. It means we are the places of worship. We are the people who worship him. And we always have the helper with us. So remind yourself daily uh, that God is with his people. 
that the Holy Spirit is always at work. Remind yourself so much that you just assume that it to be true. That you live life knowing that the Holy Spirit is at work in and around and through your life. Trust in the Spirit. And He is the Spirit of truth. So, so when it comes to walking in truth, uh, when it comes to living out the Christian life, let us rely on the Spirit of truth. For He is with God's people. He is always with His children. He is the one who helps us vanquish sin. He is the one who shows us the truth of the gospel. He is the one who shows us our salvation. And He is the one who guides us in truth. So in all things... Let's rely on the spirit of truth. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Savior, I confess that we need help. I confess, Father, we, uh, we are weak. Uh, we have a great need. I pray that we may look to the Spirit in all things. That we may see your light, that the Spirit may show us wisdom, may show us truth, and that we may follow the way, the truth, and the life in Jesus and move towards you day after day. In Jesus' name, amen.